All right, well, for those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Nicholas. I'm a member of the New Life Program in my internship phase. Uh, I'm going to be giving you guys my testimony tonight. I've got a couple of scriptures I want to base this off of. Um, the first would be 1 Peter chapter 4, 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetimes in doing the will of Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, dr lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil, evil of you. They will not. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God and the Spirit. <clears throat> Romans chapter seven, verse fifteen. I do not understand what I do. For what I do, what I, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. not an easy subject for me, um, but here it goes. The first ex memory of experiencing God to this day that I struggled with was the death, the death of one of my oldest sisters from leukemia around the age of six. She was in her early 20s, left behind two children, Anthony and Annalisha. They became uh, pretty good friends here in the past couple of years. The reason that this is difficult for me is because of the pain confusion and controversy this run in my family after she passed. Not only did she pass at a young age, I was also really young, and I didn't understand what was going on at the time. I didn't know what death was. I thought what, that we lived forever. Um, during the same period of time, it was uh, not even a week after she passed away, her kids were taken by her father and were not seen for over 15 years, well after I had turned 18. When we were reunited, I was told what things had transpired of the beatings and brutalizing of them both and their rapes from the people that they had uh, been living with. They'd also been bad-mouthed and told many things that our family had hated them and thrown them away like garbage and we didn't care about them. I don't really <coughs> understand what all that was about to this day. Um, my parents used to fight all the time, and uh, didn't really understand it or like it, so I blocked out a lot of it. You know, those periods of time in your life when things kind of just go blank? Yeah, I have a lot of those. Uh, a few of the things that happened in my early childhood, um, it was dark out, we just finished eating dinner a little earlier that night. My parents were both drunk, which is was normal. Uh, every day I'd get home from school and they were there, they were absolutely shit-faced, wasted. And so it was nothing new. Uh, that night I went outside, was playing with my brother and my sister and a couple of the neighbor kids when my dad came out and called me to the house. And uh, when I went in the house, I didn't 
really pay much attention to it, but he locked my siblings outside and uh, asked me to go grab my beer out of the fridge. When I went into the, to the dining room and uh, grabbed him his beverage and was heading back out to the living room area, they started fighting, my mom and my dad. And uh, I guess it escalated enough to where one of the neighbors had heard it and called the cops on him. I thought that everything was all over a few minutes later when my dad stopped screaming and uh, he turned his back to go watch some TV and my mom came out of the kitchen with the frying pan and smashed him in the back of the head with it and uh, well my dad got up off the floor and they started fighting again and uh, throwing blows at that point um, the police showed up and arrested my dad, and I thought uh, it was just like what happened when my sister passed away. Another thing taken away from me, especially because he was gone for months. And, you know, I thought the same thing had happened. I watched the cops cuff him and put him in jail. Well, messed up. Um, that was only the first time my dad had been incarcerated, and uh, it was. Within a couple of years, it became a normal thing. I'd get um, a message while I was sitting in school, or I'd get a phone call while I was at a friend's, hey, your dad's in jail again. Oh, great. Whatever, it's nothing new. Um, <coughs> yeah. I turned my feelings out and tried to shut a lot of the pain out to the disappointment anger and sadness. Um, after my father got out of jail after the first time when they'd had that big fight, they got a divorce and I never really understood why I had to go to two separate places to see my parents, you know, over to some random guy's house where my mom was staying and back to where I was at with my dad. I never really had understood that. Um, that was the beginning of the custody battle that my mom and my dad had. It was about a year or so later, I came home from school on a bus <coughs> one day, and uh, my dad had been on a runner for a couple of weeks, and so he ran out of dope and uh, was coming down off the dope and had locked all the doors to the house up. And uh, I got home, and all the doors were locked up. I was pounding on the doors for probably four or five hours trying to get in and I even tried I tried breaking one of the windows that we had and wasn't able to get in a couple of hours later CPS was there to pick me up and take me away uh, because of that I developed some PTSD for abandonment issues that I, that I, I got so after uh, that had happened my dad spent some time in jail again and I went and stayed a short period of time with my grandparents. After I got back out, um, got back in my dad's custody, there was a lot of movement. We kept moving place to place to place because my dad was on the dope and not caring enough to really pay attention to what he needed to do to take care of me. And so I never really settled down and had any friends. We finally got to a place where 
we became comfortable and my dad got his head out of his prayer. Uh, started hanging out with people and I ended up making friends with, the, with another kid at school when I was eight years old. And uh, his name was Matt. One day uh, we'd been hanging out and we'd been outside playing on his trampoline just like kids do, you know. Anyways, he said he was going to go inside and uh, grab us some drinks or something. And I said, okay, and just kept jumping. And, uh, well, that's when his father came and uh, smacked me in the back of the head with a baseball bat. And they hogtied me and raped me. And um, because of that, I've had a hard time coming to trust people. It's just not one of those things that it's been really simple for me. And um, it was shortly after that that my uh, parents had finally come to realize that they couldn't handle each other. Um, they ended up having another fight and uh, both of them went to jail again. My mom was able to bond out, got temporary custody of me. Um, when the day came for the trial, she showed up at the courthouse absolutely wasted. They were going to send me to be a ward of the state. My grandfather stepped up and said he would take me. Because of that, I have a lot of love and respect for him, and I learned a lot of being the way that I am because of him. You know, and I'll, I'll never forget. You know? Um, I actually ended up moving in with my grandparents and my dad, three or four different times he'd be in and out of jail. There was a couple times during that period of time that, that he actually moved in with us while I was staying at my grandparents' house. And uh, it was kind of normal behavior. One of those times he'd gone out of jail, he ended up going to the hospital. Uh, he was supposed to have gone to meet with us up at the family ranch up by Haley. He ended up not showing him, we got a phone call that he was in the hospital. He had uh, drank himself into a coma. It was the first time he drank himself into a coma with alcohol, but um, it wasn't the first time he ended up falling into a seizure. We ended up getting going back down over here to Boise and walking into the hospital rooms. I saw my dad going to a grand mal seizure. It seemed kind of ironic that he stopped seizing when I called to him. I don't know if you guys have ever seen what a grand mal seizure looks like, but when I hollered for him, he stopped and looked right at me. And uh, at that point, I hated God. I didn't want nothing to do with him. Everything that I cared about at any given time was always taken away from me, and I blamed him for it. Everything good, everything I loved, always taken, ripped away from me. And I turned away from God. And I started rebelling for my dad because I got angry with him that he wouldn't quit drinking. He wouldn't get his head on straight. He wouldn't do the right thing. And so I started bottling up my feelings.
I started resenting God even more. At that point, someone had introduced me to alcohol and marijuana and cocaine. I started using with uh, this, this acquaintance at the time. Um, it was a few days after I had tried cocaine that I ripped my dad off and some of his friends for about $600. And uh, waited for everything to cool down because um, they were quite frantic that, you know, $600 is just up and come missing, you know? It's a lot of money. And um, after they forgot about it, I ended up spending all the money on a bunch of cocaine and weed. I started selling drugs at that time. Um, the years started to blend together. It was a few years later, I ended up taking care of my mom. <coughs> she had become a shell of herself because of all the alcohol and the drugs she was doing. It just got really bad. But, uh, I ended up doing her final arrangements. She had fallen into a coma, went to the hospital, ended up putting a breathing tube in. And that breathing tube ended up uh, when they put it in, it tore part of her trachea, which let fluid and food leak into her, her lungs when she would eat. So she spent about two weeks like that without being able to eat solid food, having to have a feeding tube down her throat. And um, she ended up having it taken out, and about three weeks later, she passed away. And of course, at that time, I was really heavy into the alcohol and drugs, and I, I got worse. Um, about six months later, I had to take care of my grandmother, who had uh, been taken care of for probably about five months at that time. My grandfather had passed away uh, from cancer back in 05, and uh, she had lived quite a while without him. She died of natural causes. But because of these two deaths, uh, being in such close proximity, my intake of drugs and alcohol tripled just to numb the pain. That led to me being homeless, which I've been homeless now for about five and a half years. And I uh, was homeless, living in a shack for about a year, taking care of someone else's property in exchange. They let me stay in the shack. It was a roof over my head for the winter and early spring months of that year. I had a pretty bad winter, went into depression, was hopeless, feeling alone. Um, I began panhandling the money that I had earned from that. I purchased a gun. A few days later, I had enough money and bought some bullets and a bottle of Jack. My plan that day was to get absolutely wasted and kill myself. Um, at this point in time, God intervened, and uh, you know I wasn't really catching it at the time. He brought a lady into my life. Her name was Heather. Um, it was both a blessing and a curse at the same time. I fell in love with her. We were together for about a year and a half. In that span of time, she led me to using meth. Uh, my dad used to be a big dealer of all sorts of drugs. And, you know, I was, I, I was around it a lot and uh, never really phased me to go and sell a bag of dope to somebody and didn't even have a desire to use it. 
But after I'd been introduced to it with her, I, the curiosity kind of got better of me and turned me into a demon. I was uh, the beginning of my descent to destruction and my obsession. Uh, about a year later into the relationship, it actually had dissolved because of the dope and you know, I don't know if you guys know how dope is. You get so addicted to it, you kind of start stabbing people in the back. You can't trust anybody and it just becomes all about the dope. I was more important in the relationship, and I was in love with the woman. <laughs> it caused nothing but pain and turmoil, anguish. The loss of this relationship was the beginning of the end of everything. I lost my humanity. I lost my pride. I lost my love of life and everything that I felt made me human. I became like I felt like I was worthless. Nobody cared. Nothing mattered. Continued to bottle up all these emotions because I didn't have anywhere to take them and I didn't have a good relationship with God. I still had my back turned to him. And uh, all these feelings bottled up for years. I finally exploded. I went to the dope man with about $600. After I purchased some of that, I asked him to show me how to shoot up. Now, I didn't shoot up very often, but uh, that really... <coughs> really got me on the way downhill. Progressed even worse. I went from actually caring about family to it was just about the dope. I ruined every relationship I ever had. Lost everything in Portland. And uh, it got to a point where two years later, I was up underneath the Capitol Boulevard Bridge smoking dope, twisting puddles, putting a needle in my arm, trying to stay warm underneath a deflated raft. You don't know how dehumanizing and how humiliating that feels until you get there. I felt lower than dirt on the ground. And that's when I asked God to help me. I turned back. I had one little mustard seed size of faith to try it all again. I asked him to help me. To get me off the road I was going down because it was going to kill me. next day he did exactly as I asked him to. He answered my prayer. He, I got arrested. And at first I was angry. But then peace and tranquility. I didn't have to run no more. It was all over. I didn't have the pain. When you go down that road, you ain't got no love. You don't know what love is. Because it all gets taken away from you because of the drugs. That's the most important thing that I lost. The feeling of love.
and to think and feel, wow, I turned my back on him for years and he answers my prayer and does exactly what I asked like that? I ain't worth it. All I did was give him nothing but hatred and ignorance and adoring him. And he blessed me. He gave me everything important to me. He gave it all back. He gave me my humbleness. He teaches us in our moments heart, of life's hardest struggles that he's here for us. If we rely on him, he will carry us through our troubled times and renew our strength for our faith in him. God alone gave me my sobriety. I didn't do it. <coughs> He's my rock and my salvation. He's my recovery and the only one I need to, to and can turn to and can trust that will never abandon me. I can always trust in him. And I can always trust that he's going to do as he says in his word. God is amazing and full of grace to forgive me for the things I've done. I'm not worth it. I'm going to end with a couple more pieces of scripture. Romans 12.2 Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Galatians 6 verse 9 Let us... Let us not become wary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our pri pri private motives. Then God will give each one whatever praise is due. Without God, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be alive. I'd probably be dead in the ground. Thank you.